Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 51. Today we're going to be going over what we've been watching, a topic of the week brought to you by Nabil, and then we will be reviewing the new uh, musical film, Yesterday. So without further ado, guys, let's get into what we've been watching. Hey, what you watching? Alright, so let's get into it. We haven't started with James in a while, so James... What have you been watching? So I've been watching a few. I watch an indie film and a more popular film, I guess you could say. So the first one, it's kind of a tongue twister. All right, not a really tongue twister. It's just a really long title. I watched the film. It's called The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. Okay. So I think I sent you guys like a trailer like months ago. On this yeah. One. It's about a guy that kills Hitler and then kills the Bigfoot. So <laughs> just like the title says, huh. love it. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's uh, it stars Sam Elliott. He plays a guy named Calvin Barr, who during World War II he basically was tasked to perform a secret operation where he assassinates Hitler, but the world doesn't know, and like the Nazis put in like a double, and that's kind of how it goes with the, the plot. But oh. Bigfoot finds out and so now he has to kill Bigfoot. <laughs> well, no. So basically, the film really falls it to a point where like. Basically, Calvin lives in regret because he's not, he's actually not a really violent guy. He's just really good at tracking people. But he's regretting killing the most, you know, hated person, at least at that time. He he regrets it only Probably because of, all time. All time, yeah. of the actions that led to that. He he missed out on a lot of, like, life, I guess. I see. Because of the war, so he had to be secret, couldn't tell anyone. Like, he misses out on, like, the love of his life, and she ends up moving. The and life of a soldier. He comes back, and it's, it's one of those kind of scenarios where he's in isolation for a long time. Right. And the movie actually takes place in the 80s, because it makes more sense with Sam Elliott's age. So it's like the mid-80s, and there is a... This is the Bigfoot part. Basically, there's a outbreak of some kind of a plague or virus happening up on the Canadian border. And basically, the U.S. government comes in, and they're like, Calvin, you have to kill this thing. It's like Rambo. Canadians, man. Just calling him in for service. Yeah, and he's like really reluctant to do it, but um, Calvin happens to have the blood type that does not uh, get sick from this disease. So it's his journey to hunt down the Bigfoot and in the process fully discover who he is as a man. So <laughs> this film is hilarious. Wow. It's not even funny. It's that. a very serious movie. I feel movie like too. it is serious, which is why it's, it's like, kind of sounds like worth the, watching. the Bigfoot sequences too, Nabil, are like pretty creepy. Really? They make it pretty creepy. It's pretty realistic. Like, oh, that's not that's not that's not normal. So it, it kind of like that movie Troll Hunter that that Norwegian <laughs> movie where it's, it sounds funny and looks like it should be funny, but it's actually pretty serious. Pretty serious. I've never seen Troll Hunter. People have told me to see it, but I've heard it's really good. And it is. It sounds like it's probably about the same kind of tone. Yeah. Where it's more of a, it sounds like a, like it should be a B movie. Yeah. One yeah. of those kind of like um, Nazis from Mars are kind of bullshit, you know? <laughs> but this one is, I mean, it, it's shot really well too, by the way. Nice. This movie was shot in 4K and it's, it also, the cinematography, he's in a lot of outdoor scenes and, 
when he's younger, he's played... I, I forgot the actor's name, but he's played by one of the guys that was in The Hobbit. He's mm-hmm. one of the trolls. But he does really well. The younger version of, of his character is really good. Nice. And they have some really tense sequences in this movie. And, of course, um, Sam Elliott's really good, by the way. Yeah, he's, he's always good. I think he's consistently always been good. And even with such a ridiculous topic as this one is, he does a great job of playing it off. And you really do feel for him. And there's a really nice... Um, kind of a moment like tying into the entire story by the end of the film. It it pays off well. It's not just corny, so I enjoyed it for the most part. Who would so, you uh, recommend it to? Um, definitely if you like indie films, I'd say yes. Take a look at the trailer. If the trailer intrigues you, I would check it out too. Um, it's not really heavy on action. Mm-hmm. It's deep on story, and it's more of a like, kind of a look at a character, I guess. Is it? Would you consider like more horror or thriller or just kind of like not real, dude? It, it's really like a drama, yeah. a drama with a little bit of action with some thriller moments that are, but it's like few and far between the thriller moments. That sounds interesting. It's piqued yeah. my interest, that's for sure. Yeah, I would say whenever it hits like streaming services, definitely check it out. I uh, I was able to rent it for like ninety nine cents of iTunes, right, nice. but um, it's a nice little indie film that a lot of people probably didn't check out. But uh, I definitely would recommend... Like, you guys would probably like it. Yeah, it seems right up my alley, so it's, it's probably something I would definitely watch. Yeah. Um, on top of that, too, I went and saw Toy Story 4, and I don't think that needs too much of an introduction on it. So basically, this film is the continuation and supposedly the end of the Toy Story franchise. Again. So, yeah. Well, it ends pretty well, this one. So this time around, basically, Woody and the gang, as you know, I'm not really going to explain it. You should know what Toy Story is at this point. Yeah. Someone's like, what the fuck is Toy Story? Who's Buzz Lightyear? So Woody is taking it back to uh, kind of a... He's not as well liked anymore, I guess, in the Toy Story world. He's a toy that his new owner, Bonnie, doesn't really play with too much anymore. Because he's a cowboy. It's pretty sad. Bonnie, as much like little kids go, they kind of have their own little flavor of the month or years, I guess, in this case, which is kind of sucky. So he's the last cowboy? Really? He is the last cowboy in a way, but it's funny because like, she plays with everyone else. I'm like, what the fuck does Buzz got that I don't got? So basically, <laughs> Bonnie creates a new toy called Forky, which um, is basically just a spork with eyes on it and shit, and it comes alive. So in a weird way, Bonnie plays God in this movie. So <laughs> She's like, I brought life to you. <laughs> so they go on a I road trip because Bonnie's going to start school. She's apparently fucking weird. So she's like really hard to get along with other kids. She creates Forky. She feels better. Woody like forces himself into the scenario to watch over Forky. And during the trip, they basically stop at this town where Woody thinks he sees Bo Peep's lamp, basically. So he finds out that Bo Peep was... um, They do a nice little prologue in the beginning of the movie that shows why Bo Peep is not in Toy Story 3. I won't tell you why, but obviously she got sold, right? So spoiler alert, I guess. Just touch on them they kind of touch on it three like they're like rc's gone and bo peep and blah 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 and who the fuck cares right so you're like no one cares it's it's like at some point there's got to be a garage sale so basically in a way right (laughs) yeah so like people outgrow their things right that's what it's trying to tell you and basically bo peep is living as a lost toy and woody soon realizes that maybe he does not need to go back to bonnie basically and that's kind of the gist of the movie but it has a nice little ending. That it caps it all off. It gets very emotional at the last 10 minutes, I'd say. And they do introduce some new characters. So Keanu Reeves plays a Canadian stuntman. Motorcycle <laughs> driver that is uh, absolutely a scene stealer in every uh, uh, really? scene that he's in. Yeah. I don't want to <laughs> see that. Um, Bunny and Ducky are Key and Pill. So they're just playing themselves, basically, which is hilarious. <laughs> but they're also fuck. They're my favorite new characters out of all of them. And um, it's, a, it's a really good... 
ending to a franchise that I thought ended really well with Toy Story 3. But this one ends it even even better, I think. It caps it off finally. So it's a, it, it ends it in a way that makes it more believable. That's what I've heard. I've heard that basically the same thing what you just said that three yeah. was great but man this one actually three does ended a, a, in a, a you better might, job at ending it i would say three ends in like a kind of like a hollywood ending so like this would be yeah. too like convenient a, like an epilogue of anything right? yeah an epilogue and something i think it's a more realistic approach of like if these toys were quote-unquote real you know this right. is probably how it would have played out nice so it's it's definitely like a tearjerker i'd say at the end um other than that I want to see, yeah. I mean, I also I just a quick little mention because I, I feel like Mark. Please really say, wants it. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on, I got like twenty five seconds, but let me tell you guys, I went back and watched uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie from nineteen ninety three. <laughs> this stars Bob Hoskins as Mario, Mario, and uh, John Leguizamo as Luigi Mario. Oh, so, is that their last names too? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's why they're the Mario <laughs> Brothers. Uh, this movie is not that good. I can't recommend it. Blast it me. Is, better than i remember it mostly because i came in with absolutely low expectations As in this no. movie's never been re-released in high definition in america i think that's a travesty there is still some art to this film but hey, yeah it, it's it's garnished a, a cult following man it's, it's just it's it's better when you it's know so bad it's good. the behind the scenes things though like how yeah. bob hoskins and like john leguizamo were drinking between takes yes how uh bob hoskins and um Plays Koopa. Dennis. Koopa. Dennis, Dennis uh, Hopper, Hopper have said that these two, this both of them have said, before they both pass away, uh, unfortunately, uh, that this is the worst movie they've ever done and they only regret in their careers. So, yeah. It just adds to the the lore of the movie, you know, and also how the directors were two people that should not have directed a movie because yeah. they had only done one indie film. So, I'd say if you are interested in it, definitely check it out. It is incredibly hard to find. The only way to watch this movie is on DVD. Nintendo's it is not done everything they can to bury that film. Yeah, it's not streaming. Uh, if you live some, if anybody here lives in Europe, there is a Blu-ray version that came out in the PAL regions, so you do have a chance to see it in HD. Wait, it came out on Blu-ray only. Yeah, in dist- the, PAL the distributors out there are different. That's why. So they have a little. It's a little looser. But you, from the states, you, you can to, order it you from can another country. Watch it here then. You can order it if you have a PAL. Um, yeah, any any console should do it because they're regional. No. No, they're not. not for Blu-rays. I looked it up. Trust me. They will not work. So if you have, I mean, if you have a PAL version, three, uh, not 360, PS3 or PS4 or I might have to Xbox One. I might have to just do this just for the sake of this it. This would be insane. I wouldn't recommend wasting your money, but um, <laughs> I would also highly recommend on YouTube watching the Gaming Historian's um, YouTube video on Super Mario Brothers the movie. He breaks it down really well. He's really respectful toward it, too. And yeah, you said gives that you a lot of the... Uh, behind the scenes on it it's a pretty long little uh watch too and it i think it's a good companion piece to it you so, can yeah. also watch a really low quality i think it's like 360p version of the full movie on youtube i i i can't confirm or deny but um yeah that's that may be one other way you can check it out yeah. so uh other than that though that is what i've been watching guys all right so it looks like james had a little bit of variety there <laughs> i tried <laughs> uh nabil what about you what have you been watching well, of course, mine is not at all as fascinating as, as what James has been watching. Cool. Marco, what have you been watching? Oh, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of things, but... It's been months since we last it's, did this. It, it has been, and you could tell um, I've been struggling to watch some new shows. Um, but I tried to pick up on a show, again, on this little British binge. Uh, it's called Victoria. It's about Queen Victoria. Uh, but her early life as queen, uh, basically it starts 
from the ascension of her um, getting the throne. Um, and she was 18 when that happened. And she lived to, like, I think her uh, 80s or 90s. So it was a very long reign. Um, and it kind of goes through her courtship about how she met Prince Albert and the struggles of being a young woman being queen and not having a respective parliament. And um, it stars Jenna Coleman. She's Queen Victoria. And she, she had a small part in Captain America, the first Avenger. The, the show is... Just like any other British drama you watch, they talk. It's very slow. There's not a lot of very boring. Plot, gotcha. But I know. Just just like, I'm just boring. For some intri- for some reason, you're intrigued to continue watching it. Um, the show, for instance, The Crown, which is about Queen Elizabeth um, uh, and her reign as the monarch, and that's much more well produced. And it's what it's is what is this slow. one on? This is on uh, this is on Amazon Prime. Okay, I'm um, three seasons in. Just started watching the first season. Okay. This is the call to what the Crown was. This is a different British network. I, I'm assuming competing and kind of hamming up that drama. Okay, that makes sense. And man, I don't like it. I've tried, but I'm watching it just because it's very popular, and I'm trying. I've to get heard into of it. it. Yeah, so yeah. that it's just I haven't found any. I haven't found any reason to care about the characters. And Queen Victoria is very fascinating. She. How many episodes she, are you in though? I'm in the fifth episode. Oh, okay. There, there. I think eight per season. And Queen Victoria herself, she's all about ruling. Uh, she expanded what the British Empire was up until um, World War One, like okay. she, you know, conquering India, Australia, Canada. Um, World domination. Yeah, gotcha. like she's okay. the one who essentially lamented the the idea of that England is is a powerhouse. So that's where I was trying to get into. And this is really just her young ages. So maybe that's just the case. I don't find it very interesting. But and I don't honestly I can't really recommend it to anybody. I usually try to find people that are interested in it. I know you guys wouldn't be. But I Oh no, I'm I'm falling asleep. So <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't find anything. But I'm still gonna watch. It's like for some reason You're gonna I, I just gonna finish all three seasons too? I am. I'm gonna try to go through it and see is there something redeeming about it. Are, sometimes, are you pulling a James right now where it's like it's so bad but you still have to I finish mean, it? Unless they cancel it, then I'll be like, I guess I'm not gonna watch this anymore. But it's it's I've only done season. one show, I think, where they canceled it halfway through and I was like, Well fuck it, I guess I don't gotta finish that. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how i feel about it yeah so i'm, I'm gonna keep going through it but uh and i'll tell you if it gets any better but yeah right now i'm not i'm not feeling it but it sounds very terrible popular. i mean i would after one season i'd be like okay it's either do i continue or not but. well they're very slow burns so that's the thing british dramas are always very slow because the payoff is gonna be worth it is that what you're saying they usually do have a you usually from what i see by the penultimate episode, which is like the episode before the last, there's some big thing that says, oh, okay, I just want to so see what So what if this one next. doesn't have that? Are you going to still watch it? Or are you going to be like, no. I think I want to give it another season wow. and see if it's worth doing season. I mean, from, from what <laughs> I've seen eight from... episodes, so it's not like an hour it's each. Yeah, they're hour From each, what so. I've seen from some trailers, at least from Downton Abbey, it seems that they want to tr- at least try to focus on characters and story. Yeah. But it's either they do it right or it falls flat. Yeah, like Downton Abbey, The off. Crown, those kind of shows... Not this way better caliber than. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna give it 11 more hours. If I don't like it after that, I'll <laughs> then my this life out, is okay? done. <laughs> Move Jesus. on. I'm the next thing. Um, I have found something else though. My my wife introduced me to called. Uh, if you guys remember, 90 Day Fiance. Yes, of course. But uh, personal favorite of uh, early 2019, <laughs> yes. late 2018 for myself. I, I believe we had a bonding experience. We, that. we did. It was very interesting. Um, and so we've uh, moved on to The Other Way now. It's a new show that essentially is same premise, but instead of uh, immigrants coming to the United States on a fiance visa, it's Americans going to those people's countries from wherever they're from, India. Uh, one mm-hmm. of them's from Norway. Another one is from uh, South Africa. And they're oh, wow. going that way. 
And they're going to live out there instead. They're planning to live out over there, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, okay. it's various reasons as to why. Um, Some of them it's just like the people that they're with can't get a visa to come to the States. Um, Others, they just want to, you know, they don't have anything here in America and they want to go try something different. Makes Uh, sense. And so there's some interesting characters. They ham up drama like they do in the original show. So, you know, you want to see what's happening, even though you really know it's trash and you really shouldn't be finding out. You're like, I shouldn't care about this, but I do. It's just so intriguing. I don't it know is. why. I was like, I have to finish this. But there is one particular couple I wanted to bring up. Uh, and mind you, this is on TLC uh, for anybody that does want to watch it. There's a couple that um, there's this older lady. She's in her 60s okay. and she meets a young uh, 30 year old Indian man. And she is, just, it, is it you? No, it's <laughs> not me. <laughs> It's definitely not me. Is that what you're sweating bullets right now? Just in the bill? You all know. But um, like, Margaret, come out of the room, please. <laughs> and here she is. It's like, oh I'm shit! Kidding. Surprise from the pals, guys. <laughs> I'm kidding. And so the the guy is he's 30 years old, lives with his parents because that's what most Indians do yeah. until they get married. Mm-hmm. Um, has a he works at a call center over there. It's nothing you know crazy, but no makes money. I mean, um, and his family has met her. And doesn't really know how what's, serious uh, What's her is. nationality? She, she's American. She's, um, I don't even know what state she's from. I think she's from California. She's like um, like a white lady? Yeah. Just, wanna, just trying to. She's a white lady, yeah. Painting she, a picture. She's 60 and he's she's, 30. Yeah. Okay. And so, you Which know. Which makes sense, though, because a lot of the other 98 fans, it was the other way around. It's like an right. old dude with like a 25-year-old chick. Or know, like right? 19, eight, fresh out of high school. Whoa, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. dude. Yeah. yeah. Some of them are like, okay, this is a little yeah. weird. But she's r- retired and she's. <laughs> you know, picking up her, picking up her life, whatever she's got of it, and is just moving to India with this guy. Um, he got a little apartment, moved up, you know, with him. He, and he starts out the bet saying, "This is a very expensive apartment in India, and I don't know if I can afford it, but I want to make her happy. So we're going to see how long this works out for." I'm like, "Oh, this good is start." Right. So, yeah, good start. Like, okay, let's, well. let's set the bar. This high. sounds like a 90 day fancy start of a mm-hmm. story, by the way. I, she's got, as far as is reported, she's got no income coming in, so I don't know if she's got retirement or something. But she doesn't seem like she's putting oh, any money in it. And it even starts off like he wants to try to have some kind of a wedding. Because, you know, he, he does care about his family. And he's even saying in his interviews, like, oh, well, I don't know if my uh, family will approve, but I don't want to upset her. But we'll see if I choose my family over her. I'm oh, like, geez. oh, OK. I mean, so he's not even show, he's though. not even settled on it yet. Um, and there's he's a like, scene, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And he, there's a scene where he's trying to dress her in some traditional Indian clothing. And she's just straight up saying, I'm an American woman. We don't like to be dressed into different things. See, that's things. where, that's where like, I almost think it's no quite scripted, right? I feel it's like it sometimes, right? Because you, you would think there's some kind of compromise to the situation. It's always going to be one of those things where, like, they come and they complain about It's like, bitch, you're trying to, I mean, no, no offense, but, like, you're trying to live here, right? So they just come off as, like, super uppity and shit like that. For no, I mean, you're in a different country. You would You would have to adapt a little bit. But, uh, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Um, if you're interested in those kind of shows, I think we should uh, get into that again. I mean, I might have it's to. It's piqued my interest already. I want to see how my this ears, shit show yeah. turns out. My ears perked up. I was like, <laughs> what you mean about 90 days? I still need what to you see mean season the other four, way, man. What about season four still? Or what the yeah, fuck right. season we missed out on? What about you, Marco? What you been watching? Uh, just a few things here and there. I finally got around to watching a movie that james here let me borrow eons ago and that's uh logan nor and it's basically the black and white version of the movie logan which i don't think it needs an introduction or anything you're, you've either seen it or you haven't 
if you've been asleep for the past three Wait, years is it is it like actually wolverine in black and white or is it like that's yeah. a different film no, no no it's it's wolverine black and black and white it's very it's, similar it's to actually, like how they did mad max yeah uh, chrome edition oh really yeah. yeah i did not know that was but it's thing. the entire movie in okay. black and white um so you know same story you know she jackman's the wolverine or yeah. logan patrick stewart professor x everything it just adds a different feel and look to it and i think it's very appropriate for the movie because of the fact that it was filmed to essentially represent a a western, yeah. just like a black and white spaghetti western, almost. Kind yeah, of cool. yeah. I think but James it, Mangle wanted to release it as black and white too. Really? Yeah, it, it definitely gave it a great aesthetic, and all the cinematography looks just fucking gorgeous, especially in 4K because that's the version that James gave me, and so I finally got to break in my Xbox One X and my 4K TV <laughs> to its full potential. Nice. So it it just it looked gorgeous, and I highly recommend if you're a fan of the movie to check it out because I think it's probably the most appropriate way to watch the movie. Don't get me wrong; I like the original. I like seeing everything in color, right. but it just gives it that much more of a better feeling to it. Kind and of a cool revisit, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I nice. feel like it's it's definitely more appropriate for the style of movie that it is and it gives it a better payoff too the action sequences still look great uh the the blood and black and white you know looks freaking fantastic you know yeah, they must have retouched it though even to go noir because just doing a black and white mute isn't gonna do yeah it was, oh, it was specifically color-coded yeah, too and that's stuff cool. like that, yeah. but um again I, I recommend it to fans of this movie or to the x-men slash marvel franchise uh, if you have a chance definitely rent it or pick up a copy borrow it from a friend don't take too long to see it like i did because <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll regret sitting on how long have you had it uh, i want to say at least like since the end of last year oh jeez. yeah <laughs> i'm not i think since it. yeah i think since oscar season oh, basically january yeah so i forgot yeah. i owned it for a sec <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even know about this wow uh, aside from that, I've been watching a show that a very good friend of mine recommended to me and that I've also been sitting on. See, James, it's not just you <laughs> I sit on things about. It's everybody. It's I'm the type of person where either I watch a recommendation or something I borrowed right away or I sit on it and then I finally watch it. It's just it's just how it is. It just depends on what I'm watching or doing at the time. I mean, I think we we're all so, like that. Though. Yeah. yeah. So with that caveat, I saw this show called Money Heist on Netflix and it's a show from Spain. The Spanish translation is La Casa de Papel. So, um, which I don't know exactly why they translated it differently because <laughs> La Casa de Papel means something completely different Sounds in English. Sounds like it. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. Anyway, it's a crime thriller and it's basically about a talented group of robbers that assault the factory of Moneda in Spain, which is basically where uh, it's the Spanish mint where they make their money. And they're planning to plan to do the biggest robbery in the history of the country and steal 2.4 billion euros. Oh, quite a bit of money. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how much that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically, I think I don't it's know. about the same. In yeah, it's about the same, yeah. maybe a little bit more. I'd say it's probably close to three billion dollars. I don't like, know. That's about a thousand bucks, guys. <laughs> I mean, if the euro's strong right now and the dollar's weak, then it's probably yeah. about one and a half times more than that. Nice. Yeah, but uh, it stars uh, Ursula Corbero as Tokyo. Itziar Utuño as Raquel Murillo and Álvaro Morte as El Profesor or The Professor. And I'm really enjoying the show for the most part. It's uh, got three seasons, actually 
two seasons on Netflix right now, and the third season is about to come out this year. But basically, there's eight characters in the whole show that make up the Band of Robbers, and it's a mixture of, I want to say... Inside Man and Ocean's Thirteen, the way it's filmed, it's it's a, it's got a really good feel to it with this heist where they're just planning a lot of deception with the authorities and have really planned out everything Danny Ocean style and have an elaborate plan to get away with stealing this money. They they do the whole thing similar to uh, Inside Man where they dress up the. Uh, the hostages as some of the robbers as well too to confuse the authorities and it it really keeps you on the edge of your seat as far as the as as far as like the heist is going the performances are really good too i like some of the actors even though i've never seen them before in my life and yeah although you're watching in spanish with subtitles if you're used to that sort of thing um i think it still holds weight Uh, i like the interactions between the characters um there's uh always some sort of drama that happens in each episode because the way it's it's filmed is also similar to a Spanish soap opera. Oh, okay. Which is kind of cool. So it's like a mixture of like an action thriller with a soap opera aspect into it. Um, but it makes sense because these characters who have never really worked together are all banded together inside this building and are supposed to work together for, I believe they're supposed to wait it out for an entire month, I think is how long they planned the heist. And so far, I'm in the ninth episode, and only two days have gone by. So the time moves really slow in each episode, and you really get a feel for the whole like situation. Yeah, that's pretty cool, though. Keeps it really they, tense. They keep it slow that way. Yeah, it's it's cool because the uh, the detective that's in charge of pretty much uh, negotiating with these guys and putting them down, at every moment, she thinks that she's got one up on them, and then only to figure out that they've completely planned for whatever move the police are going to make she's the denzel yeah basically yeah it has that sort of element to it but if you like heist movies and you're into these types of thrillers i highly recommend it it's on netflix right now and like i said the third season is set to come out this year and as i continue to watch it i'll probably give you guys an update once i finish either the first season or continue on. I, i actually thought when you first told us that you saw this i thought you meant tower heist the Ben Stiller heist movie, and which I was is like, also a good movie. I was like, "Damn, he watched an old movie. That's random." Wow, I, yeah, <laughs> I totally forgot I about like, that movie. Man, I thought Earth. I was like, "Is this a sequel to Tower Heist?" That's cool. And lastly, real quick, uh, the other show I've been watching is Deadwood, the 2004 western on HBO that stars Timothy Oliphant and uh, Ian McShane, and basically. The show is set in the late 1800s, revolves around a town called Deadwood in South Dakota, and it's basically just a territory of the United States right now, so U.S. law doesn't necessarily fall into this town, so the character of Al Swearingen, played by Ian McShane, uses this to his advantage. He's the main saloon owner in the town, and basically he's the one that's in charge of Uh, handing out lots to merchants and charging them rent um, as well as taking a percentage of what they earn as they make their business in uh, Deadwood. He's also very much uh, an asshole and a piece of shit. And at the Mm. same time, you can't help but love this character. And essentially in the story, Timothy Oliphant's character, Seth Bullock and his partner roll into town and open up shop because there's the gold rush going on. And uh, there's, 
apparently a lot of land that's rich in gold in this area. But you're basically flipping a coin because some of it could be uh, smoke. The other, uh, some of it could be actually real. And the only one that truly knows is Al Swearingen. So he's always suspicious of the people that come into his town, whether or not they're up to his they they're up to his game or they're going to challenge him in some way or or shape or form. But um, it's very violent. So if you're into that, then the show is for you. If you like westerns, the show is for you. I'm enjoying it so far. Again, the character of Al Swearingen, you love hate this guy because he's such a horrible human being. All he cares about is money and profits. And then the inkling he shows some bit of humanity, at the next second, he just does something completely horrible. And you're just like, dang, this guy is just freaking crazy. So um, I can see why a lot of people recommended this show to me because it's it's just filled with a lot of colorful characters in it. And yeah, it's a pretty good solid Western. So if you're into it, it's showing on HBO and I highly recommend it. Nice. Let's move on now, guys, to our topic of the week. It's the topic of the week. All right. So uh, in honor of uh, our film today, we're watching, uh, we're reviewing yesterday. I figured we'd uh, bring up a topic uh, based on musicals. And so I know we all kind of are fans of musicals. We've talked about films every once in a while. So I figured why not recommend one of our all-time favorite musicals and uh, just kind of talk about it a little bit. And so we'll start with Marco. What was one of your all-time favorite musicals? Mine's the 1986 version of Little Shop of Horrors. A story about a boy. I've given you sunlight. I've given you rain. Looks like you're not happy. Unless I open a vein. Where did you get such a weird plan? Solid movie. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, as a kid, I was actually kind of scared of that plant thing. It Dude, it actually thing. it did scare me when I was a little kid, but yet I couldn't stop watching Those it. Big old lips. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I, I try first... to imitate the lips, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, actually, the plant was actually voiced by Levi Stubb from the Four Tops. Oh, yeah, you told us that. Yeah, before I think. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't it a uh, was that a Jim Henson puppet? I believe. Yeah, because yes. Frank Oz. No, no, Frank. Yeah, no, I Frank be- Oz because Frank Oz directed it. Okay, yeah, but, yeah. but, I, think but I mean, like took the, aspects from it. Because I think the Jim Henderson people helped, though, I want to say. I think they did. Yes. Yeah, I'm not, once not he, too If sure. it's Frank Oz, I'm assuming he did, because he did yeah. a ton of shit like that. But it was pretty cool, because for the longest time, I never correlated the fact that Yoda directed one of my favorite musicals. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, and this one stars uh, Rick Moranis and Steve Martin, uh, as well as Ellen Green, who plays uh, Audrey, and Vince Gardenia as Mr. Mushnick. And... I mean, is everyone here? Are we going through the whole story Not as really. far as like what the, I would just the say, story is about? Anything? I would say what we're going to probably touch on is kind of when you first saw it, like right. why is it your favorite and your, I guess, your favorite. Like, uh, when, when you watched it. Well, so so let's, yeah. so let's talk about that. When did you actually first watch it? I first saw it uh, as a kid on HBO with my family. On HBO. Years ago. I think, you yeah. know what? That's funny. I think that's the first time I saw I was on TV too. Yeah. Yeah, mine because we were living in Oakland at the time, and um, my parents were huge fans of Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. Love Rick so, Moranis, and so they saw that they were in this movie, and so it was going to be on HBO because we had HBO back then, and we started to watch it, and I enjoyed it. I really liked the songs in the musical, mainly because it was the first time I felt that the songs weren't cheesy at all. <laughs> the fact that there was like 
a lot of like adult content in, in it and it was more kind of like mature and growing up rather than just sort of like childish and play playful it was very i mean it was at least remembering it from a kid it was very scary yeah you know, and it like the songs have a like a nice motown feel to it which i really enjoyed so it, they, I, they were I, catchier and yeah. just easier to follow. I think I compare it to like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I did a show. lot of the, yeah. the styles of the songs too, especially just a bit. Yeah, yeah. I I think did they all come out within it? It was not too far apart other, from right? each other. Yeah, I yeah. I think Rocky Horror Picture Show was like kind of like late seventies. Yeah, so not too, like yeah, probably within like ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. But, so so what is it about it that actually makes it your favorite? Uh, it just brings back a lot of memories, a lot of nostalgia. Because I watched this movie. Many times with my family, like if it was ever on TV or um, on, we were when we didn't have like cable or something like that because we'd go on and off with having cable and stuff depending if the cable company pissed us off or not. So like, we no, would bro. we would rent my, it. Uh, Black uh, box that bitch. <laughs> yeah, basically. About? We didn't pay no goddamn cable. See, guys, it wasn't always Comcast that was evil. You know, cable has always been evil. Just no, depended when someone bought that package on our street. That's it. Exactly. So, we, I mean, we would just always see it if it was ever playing on TV or something. Or yeah. if we were bored, we're like, let's watch a little shop of horrors. I feel like that was on TBS a lot, right? Or one of those channels. Yeah. Like, all was, the time. Or TNT. I think that's how I, yeah, I think that's how I, I saw it even when... But they would censor the shit out of that oh, movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so, there's like blood and stuff in that one too. Oh, yeah. Too. It's pretty, it's pretty yeah. violent. Like I said, it's it's very much like adult content in, in the musical. But I like the characters. I like the character of Seymour, played by Rick Moranis. Uh, he was just like a, a a lonely florist that ends up, you know, with dumb luck finding a plant that comes from outer space and draws attention to Speaks English, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to the flower business. And he goes from being a nobody to somebody. And you know, I was a very shy kid when I was very little, so I could kind of relate to his character as being a quiet loner. So that kind of spoke to me also. But um, more than anything, it was just the, the memories I shared with my family and watching this and enjoying it and laughing and singing along with the songs, yeah. making fun of the plant that was called Audrey 2 because it had a very like distinct voice, obviously, and it was just very like fun to mimic it. And there's a very famous line that says, feed me Seymour, and we would always right. like say yeah. it, you know, feed me Seymour. So, <laughs> so, I mean, that's ooh. a very horrible impression, but... Um, Do you have a favorite uh, sequence or music uh, song? Uh, absolutely. Uh, hands down, this is both me and my brother's favorite sequence. And it's when uh, Steve Martin's character, the dentist, and he has a very like long specific name that like I can't really think of right now. But anyway, it's when the dentist is introduced and he actually sings a song called The Dentist. Mm-hmm. And it's basically him revealing that he is a fucking sociopath yeah and loves to watch people suffer yeah and that's why he became a dentist and the whole song he's just doing like messed up things and saying messed up things like it's a wild sequence yeah like he's all talking about how he would like see literally a line is i would find a pussycat and bash its head i'm like oh okay you're kind of (laughs) psycho and then he would walk into like all the random offices and just start like Nibbles. All this, all the scary. Nibbles nodding his head in agreement. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's wrong with that? Right now? <laughs> all the scary <laughs> things that you would think a dentist would do, he would actually do. Like he would twist your teeth without like any anesthesia. This he would is like why we jab have a generation of you. kids scared of dentists. Yeah, but it's it's fucking hilarious. Like he like Steve Martin just does it with, with so tactfully that it's you know it's hilarious to watch. And his name, I just looked it up, Oren Scrivello DDS. <laughs> that's shit nice. you know it's his name 
But it's definitely like my favorite sequence of the entire movie, and it's uh, the song's hilarious. If you can, just like look it up. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, what about you, James? What's your uh, what's your all time favorite musical? Mine's kind of a more like uh, recent one, but it's it's it was between two. So at first it was like that two thousand four remake of the phantom of the opera maybe yeah. was gonna make it because that was i think the first movie musical wise where i realized i was like i think i like musicals <laughs> but no mine was uh is I, i've talked about it in large on this podcast uh, la la land from 2016 i just heard you play and i wanted it's pretty strange that we keep running into each other maybe it means something i doubt it yeah i don't think so you could just write your own roles, you know? Write something that's as interesting as you are. What are you gonna do? I have my own club. Is that gonna happen every time? I think so. That is uh, directed by Damien Chazelle, and it stars uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. I think it won an Oscar that year, didn't it? Yeah, it won quite a few Oscars, actually. They <laughs> thought they got the best picture, too. They did not get the best picture. Someone's like, it's Moonlight. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, which I like, too, so. They gave Warren Beatty the wrong card, man. I know. La La Land, I saw an early screening of it about two or three weeks before it was released in late 2016, and um, I kind of like fell in love with that movie, to tell you the truth. Really? It's one of those movies where it's set in the past. Is it, kind of? Or is it set in the future? It's kind of hard it's, to tell, actually. Uh, I feel like it was present day. Yeah, it's modern. It's, it's present day, like, say. maybe like five years back or some shit. Yeah, not yeah. too maybe. far out now. Because, I mean, there's, there's a, time there's a lot of, yeah. like... Um, sequences that could be straight from like the 60s or 70s though because yeah. then i remember their cell phones and shit so i'm like oh maybe not but it's about two people like falling in love as you guys know too and it's kind of like one wants to be a jazz musician one wants to be an actress so like how does this work out in the present day right so i don't know i just i'm a sucker for love stories i guess so that's one of the big reasons i like this movie yeah i really like the performances by ryan gosling and emma stone i think it's absolutely fantastic and who knew they could both sing so well yeah. especially emma stone man yeah. i was like damn she does really good and it, it's had like really a, good chemistry too uh-huh. their chemistry is really good and i think the reason why i like it a lot is I, I like a lot of the musical sequences in this one a lot of them are not even sequences where they are even singing it's just the um soundtrack or the orchestral music playing, playing in the, the background, background. Yeah. for instance like the planetarium sequence where they're dancing in the stars and it's like i think that's a really good scene um the one that I like the best out of all of them that stands out to me, though, would definitely be when Emma Stone is doing the audition song, the Fools Who Dream song. And that is, it's really well done, too, how it's shot. The The, the scene itself is Emma Stone is going in for an audition that she finally got a callback for. Her and Ryan Gosling are, like, split at this point, but he's there to, like, support her. And, you know, they're still in love and shit like that. And then she's basically singing, and it breaks off into kind of a like what could happen situation yeah that yeah. happens and it's really well done like this is like a scenario but then it, it kind of turns out that not everything is what it seems and which was a order- very good kind of like almost fake out it's yes. a really good yeah. sequence i and like that yeah it's one of those things i think too that sometimes this is how people probably get what they need where they want to be in life yeah. and i really appreciated that it does not have that Hollywood ending. It's kind of actually a somber ending, if it you think is. about it. Very true. It's one of those endings that makes you like think of like what ifs and what could have beens, and I think that's relatable to everyone in a in a way. So I think it it echoes those relationships, whether they be romantic or not, that really make you who you are. Yeah, today. It, it builds you as a person. Exactly, it's, it's, it's like builds a, your character. 
it's not, I'm not saying it's like a stepping stone to the next thing, but it's one of those things that helps you define you as a person. And I think that this movie does that really well. And, um, for the most part, the entire movie is one of those movies that I, I just really enjoy overall. So that's yeah. really good. That's a very good take on it too. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Nabil? Oh, mine. Um, I'd say it's older, twenty, about almost twenty years old. Um, not as old as mine. Not, not as old well, as. I just want to let you know, Billy Elliot is not considered a musical, so <laughs> no. But I he does that's... dance. Oh God damn it! He does dance. <laughs> Sorry, what was yours, Nibble? I feel like mine we're picking is... on you. No, it's fine. It's uh, <laughs> Moulin Rouge. It, was, it came out in two thousand one. I believe you were expecting me. Yes. Silly. I think you would fall in love with someone like me. I can't fall in love with anyone and make men believe what they want to believe. Never knew I could feel like this. I believe in truth, freedom, and above all things, love. Like I've never seen the sky. You're gonna be bad for business. I can tell. That was starring Nicole right Kidman um, as a teen and Ewan McGregor as Christian. It's it's a very good story. I know you guys have both seen it, right? Yeah, um, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's, so Christian, Ewan McGregor's character, he's a poet living in uh, 1899 Paris and decides to, um, he has troubles with the family and wants to rebel and um, decides to join this famous little dancing area called uh, the Moulin Rouge, um, where there's a new star, Nicole Kidman's character, uh, Satine, who is kind of uh, the all, what everybody uh, aspires to be. She's very famous there and um, everybody wants her, but nobody can have her kind of thing. Um, and it ends up being kind of like a, a love story as well, where um, Ewan McGregor ends up finding a way into uh, Nicole Kidman's heart. And, you know, they fall for each other, but it's kind of like a forbidden love almost and that she really shouldn't be with him. And she needs to do so. She needs to do other things in order to essentially save Moulin Rouge. And um, she's debating whether she wants to do that or, or stay for love with him. So very kind of typical story. But what I liked about it and... Um, what one of the reasons why I think it's one of my favorites is it's one of the first musicals that I watched that um, I kind of understood what a musical was. No, I yeah. had that yeah. at that point I was young and I had watched I'd watched things like from from school. Jesus Christ Superstar, for instance, was very uh, that my teacher liked to play it a lot for us. And so watched it in school. Yeah, I watched it in school. <laughs> very interesting uh, take wow. of okay. things. Uh, and different. so I was like, okay, this is interesting. And then I also saw like Les Mis and. That was very good as well, but again, very different. They never showed you the sound of music at your school. No, I never saw sound of music. I watched the sound of music. Mm -mm. Wow, it took like a a week to watch a music class or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. that's a long movie. Jesus, it is is. Jesus Christ, superstar. Very long film. You know, I had to watch those and I was like, okay, the songs are cool, but not really my thing. And then I saw Moulin Rouge and I had seen it. Uh, My dad had taken me to the theater to watch it. It's a weird one. It was weird. He didn't know (laughs) what it was really about. And so when we watched it, he kind of um, was a little surprised at what we were watching. And he's like, I don't know if this is appropriate for you guys to watch at this age. I would have been like maybe 11. Um, It was like 12, so not too bad. Um, but yeah, very weird thing to watch with your father, but very good film. Um, it made me enjoy musicals. And yeah. what I liked about it was the songs that they played. It was all modern pop songs. Yeah. That they somehow okay. managed to fit into the plot of the film. Like it all kind of worked really well. And, um, Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman can sing and sing very well, at least in those films. And, yeah. um, what was cool about it, what I, what I really like about the film is the, the way that they didn't just play the songs, but they kind of 
put put their own twist on it and they have these really nice set pieces they you know with with because of the Mulan Rouge there's a lot of dancing acrobatics costumes and just things going on all at the same time that just captures your eye especially seeing it like in a big screen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and that really drew me to to kind of fall in love with the film because i'd never seen anything it's a very to like that colorful scale. flashy yeah. film too exactly yeah and and when they like for instance they introduced nicole kidman in one of the scenes and they kind of she talks about uh i don't remember the name of the song but it's it's, I it's girls like diamonds diamonds, or like that. diamonds yeah. are a girl's best friend diamonds are right? a girl's best friend that's yeah. it um and the way to just introduce her in that in a very shiny diamond-esque uh, dress and all these guys pining over her and it's just very flashy and you mm-hmm. kind of feel like you're at a in a weird time period then all of a sudden can go to a very somber and serious tone and you know you're there's just two people singing in a room and it gets very interesting in that and the movie utilizes a lot of like pop culture songs they too do. which is pretty cool and one of my favorite music sequences actually is is uh kind of in the early parts of the film it's Ewan McGregor sings your song by Elton John what I like about it is that it starts off him trying to profess his love to Nicole Kidman and they're kind of in her room and it's just them talking for a little bit and then all of a sudden it becomes fantastical and they're like dancing on clouds over like the The rooftops of paris and it's a good sequence yeah it's 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 very well done and it's very believable like you're kind of in their head as they're going about it and singing and he's very passionate and that's where you can really like hear his range in Mm -hmm. the song Um, because they do set it in his tone and it's it's very you know like it gets very emotional and you don't expect that at least i didn't watching him sing and what they did with with the song because it's a different take on the song as well um and then when they just kind of end it um you could kind of see that they have really good chemistry at that point in that film and um yeah it was it was a really good experience for me to see what a musical could be um that i hadn't been exposed to and kind of got me into a bunch of the other more um different broadway shows as well from that awesome so speaking of musicals guys let's move on now to our review of the new musical yesterday until a month ago you were a complete failure (laughs) then somehow you became the biggest star in the world as if by magic so what happened Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Oh, I believe in yesterday. When did you write that? I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it. The Beatles. Who? All right, guys. So the IMDb description of this one is a struggling musician realizes he's the only person on Earth who can remember the Beatles after waking up in an alternate timeline where they never existed. This is directed by Danny Boyle, who's uh, known for 127 Hours from 2010, 28 Days Later in 2002, and Slumdog Millionaire in 2008, uh, among many of his other films. So this is starring Hamish Patel as Jack Malik, Lily James as Ellie Appleton, and Kate McKinnon as Deborah Hammer. So I'm going to start with you here, Nabil. Uh, yay or nay, Nabil? I liked it. Um, I it wasn't what i thought it was going to be and that's actually a good thing i especially how it ended it had a little twist that i definitely didn't really expect it to go um i like the use of the songs he pretty much sang them all himself and actually liked that and Mm -hmm. tried to keep true to it but the story it was a very cute love story from a to b and it was just a little with enough twist um for me to to say that it was you know refreshing so i enjoyed it yeah uh what about you uh marco 
I liked it. It was a it was a yay. Um, it wasn't perfect, but it was still enjoyable. Um, it had its grace. Uh, I agree with Nabil. Uh, the utilization of the music from the Beatles was great. Uh, the story was good. You had to suspend some disbelief. Uh, yeah. Where actually throughout the entire movie you had to do that. Yeah. But I mean that's not uncommon for Danny Boyle in most of his movies. If you're familiar with his style of uh, directing, I like the performances as well. Um, uh, Himesh Patel, I think, did a great job. He's very charming. Uh, yeah, very charismatic. I've never heard character. of him before this too, by the way. Ne- neither have I. Neither have I. Yeah. But I saw he's been in some some TV shows in uh, in Europe. Yeah, very relatable character. Very relatable story, especially you know from a personal note of trying to do music when I was younger as well too and playing to empty crowds i can totally relate to his character a lot so i think that had a lot to do with it uh lily james did great as well she's very charismatic herself um i'd seen her in baby driver so it was nice little surprise to see her in this but yeah i'd say it's definitely worth seeing in theaters and i'll get more into it when we talk about what worked and what didn't work but what about you james oh no i definitely yay for me too um i i want to say that we're all pretty decent fans i'd say probably marco and i a little bit more on the beatles oh yeah yeah i love the beatles yeah so i think i'd say we were pretty big fans and it's kind of funny because i I don't know uh it's a spoiler no not really i mean at one point jack uh played by himish patel he knows most of the songs yeah which is funny because i think i'd be in the same boat where i'm like fuck there's a couple that i'm like right i really like that i like that too a little bit of realism like he's like how do what the fuck are the lyrics to elder rigby (laughs) but i knew him though i was like fuck dude you're fucking up bad (laughs) but then there's they pointed out how even in some of the songs they although they don't show it and how he has like the order all wrong it's totally wrong he's like i know i tried (laughs) and i i I liked that like the it's a really strange scenario this entire movie and I like that they don't quite explain exactly yeah, just why happens. this happened. Yeah. It just fucking happens. Yeah, that's the world. And now. they roll with it, like Marco was saying. That's kind of a Danny Boyle kind of thing. Like you just just go with it. Like we're not going to tell you why this happened. We're not going to tell you. It doesn't the matter. Kind of science behind this shit. Mm. But this is what happens. And I like that. I really did like the two leads. They thought they were really good. They had really good chemistry with they each really other did. too. Um, Lily James is super likable too, man. Yeah. I mean, she's kind of like that next door sweetheart kind of girl. I would say is kind of her, kind of the persona she gives off in this film. Um, I thought Kate McKinnon stole every scene though that she, she was, was in. Freaking awesome! She was too, fucking yeah. insanely funny, and she, oh man, she's so. Fu- I was like, why wasn't she this funny in Ghostbusters? Or, so, or that it's, spy it's, movie? It, was it has to do yeah. with the, the script and and the director. Yeah, she was hilarious. I liked all her little one-liners where she's like, "Just kidding, I didn't know nothing about this guy." He's yeah. a <laughs> I was dying on some of those parts. It was so funny. Like she's just saying things like, huh, "I don't want to know about you because this money. is the part where you say you want to be rich and famous." I was yeah, like, "Just say it." Shit. I was like, "Dang, she." I mean, her name's Deborah Hammer, so I mean, it's like a she doesn't give just like slams it in kind of thing, you know. Um, so speaking of Beatles songs, guys, did you guys like how they handled them and how they incorporated it into the film then? Uh, I did a lot, uh, especially because I'm a huge Beatles fan. So maybe that adds yeah. a little bias to my opinion, but, uh, I caught myself singing along many times. To I the think songs. every one of them. Yeah. Was and like also the, the bill, like you were saying, the fact that, um, Jack Malik, um, uh, Himesh Patel actually sang the songs and the fact how he skewed them more to his style yep. mm-hmm. felt more realistic. It's like, yeah, you know, I would totally do the same. 
Because he's trying to make it, especially the earlier Beatles songs, I'd say he they're modernized. Yeah, a yeah. definitely had to be modernized yeah. a little bit more. So I, I like that, too, because I wondered like how they would take on it. But they did a really good job, for the most part, with, with the songs. And it it definitely fit well with the movie. Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. It's it's probably the most important thing is to make sure that he does justice to the songs in this film, and it really does. Um, the whole the whole setup of trying to remember the lyrics and like that really grounded it, saying like, of course he's not going to remember everything. These songs are like you know sixty years old, and he's there's trying a to select few that yeah. he's like he has a list, and he's like I don't remember, I, and ones. he's just figuring it out. He can't Google some of the either. So yeah, like, yeah. got to make it work. Um, and yeah, definitely, you know, putting his own twist on things. There's even comments about, you know, when they're when he's trying to make the songs on how old it is, and like you should update a little bit or use, you mm-hmm. know, use these words or something like that. Or you know, one of the scenes he does, he sings "Help" and he makes it into like a very heavy rock punk rock. That was song. like a punk rock song, and yeah. I actually like that too. You know, just to change it up. So got kind of a um, double meaning to it too. Yeah, I'd say. So uh, definitely, I think they did justice to um, serving the songs for the film, at least. Yeah, I like that. I like how. It comes to him naturally where he remembers lyrics to things. I think that happens to a lot of people, too. Yeah. yeah. Where somebody might say something and you're like, wait a minute. That's a lyric to like, oh, that's part of a song. Or that's that triggers like a memory of like how you would know a part of that song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought they handled it well. I like that there are sequences to certain songs that he actually goes back to and has to actually go to the place to kind of get a feeling for it. Because that... And also, he has to make it believable eventually when he's working for the record label. Like, why would he talk about these random places? Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, who the fuck is this? And he's like, oh, that's my friend's son. <laughs> like, it makes no... And the guy's like, his friend is sitting next to him. Like, fuck are you talking about? Like, he knows all his friends. Yeah. yeah. Like, you don't got no friend named Jude or some shit. So yeah, he's like, like, yeah, your friend's son, right? He's like, who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he totally catches him on it. fuck is that? And I, I did like that they... Uh, he sings really well, by the way. He does. So it's funny that he's like, um, his friends are consistently throughout the film trying to have him play his own song, the summer song. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Even at this like big concert, they have a fucking sign that says, play the summer song. I like how he tries to sneak some of them in and those are the songs that Deborah's like, I don't know why the fuck I didn't like that one. It's more like I didn't really care too much to even hate it. So she's like, no. And it just shows that like technically... As good of a singer he is, he's not exactly a really good songwriter. No, yeah. not at all. Which is unfortunate because he's such a nice guy. And right. So, things like that. Um, do you guys think that's how people would react to songs from the Beatles? If then no one had ever heard it? Like I how they modernized it out? I don't think so because I think that it's also... It's, I mean, maybe if he modernized it a little bit more, but you know, those songs were very prolific to the certain era as well. I mean, they do hold true, but some of the songs that he was singing, like, you know sergeant pepper uh that just trying to put that album together and trying to name the album they looked at it they said no we don't like the name of that album like it doesn't it just seems kind of weird how they were doing putting things together i don't think anybody would go wild for like octopus's garden nowadays right too. they'd be like the fuck's he talking about so i, I think it, there was just a lot of and, and again they were trying to call back to things and it's like nobody would understand it unless you were at that era you understood the band so especially the ussr yeah you like, like why that's really weird you called it that yeah I think, uh, yeah, I think to a point they would just mainly because the Beatles had such a distinct way of writing songs. Yeah. Like there's, they inspired so many musicians because of what they did with music. There's a lot of things that they did that were new at the time. I want to talk about in spoilers. Which it, which it kind of makes sense that if they'd never existed, then we're never a band, then a lot of other bands bands wouldn't have existed and you know, the butterfly effect. And so that, that sound would be new. Obviously, like I agree with you guys with like the really strange certain, songs. Certain ones, yeah. 
Like the USSR one, I was definitely like, um, it dude, worked like, because what? he was in Russia. Yeah, yeah. but I was like, he's like, you just created that. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, the, fuck the, you, Ed Sheeran. The, the, uh, <laughs> the melodies, the harmonies that the Beatles chose, even Ringo Starr's drumming. The fact that he would have two distinct tom drums tuned differently, yeah, and that's what made his drumming very differently. He utilized the toms, the toms a lot. Where it, in an era where people were starting to use the snare drums a lot more, so. I think that, that because of those reasons, people will be like, wow, this is so much different than everything I'm hearing right now. And we have a, like right now, like we have this thing for nostalgia. Like there's a lot of music that's starting to sound like the early 90s, 80s, even some songs that sound like, like the 70s and yeah. stuff. So I think True. that those would bring pretty familiar to some people. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, um, I think the songs that would work are definitely, it's strange. Like all the, all the Paul McCartney songs actually technically in this movie kind of stand out as the quote I mean, unquote ones that would probably hold up the best. Still, I mean, and they yeah. still do. Like yesterday and like Long and Winding Long Road, Road yeah. was really well done mm-hmm. on this one too. And um, it's like those those kind of love songs, I guess you would say. Oh, that's funny. As my guitar gently weeps. Yeah. Too. It's just those like those songs and then probably like the George Harrison's like Here Comes the Sun work mm-hmm. out well too. And it's more of the bigger band ones where you would probably require more people to do the song, which is weird that he never, I mean, near the end he gets a band, but I mean, it just plays Everything off better. Was acoustic for, for the most time. part, yeah, yeah, for the most part, I think they did a good job, like Marco said, of yeah. adjusting it for, especially like Help, they made it like a punk rock song. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it's, it's really cool how they, they played it off in this movie. And, and like I said, it's a very, very different kind of film, which I can appreciate. This is um, an era of movies that are only superhero films or big blockbusters. I'm, I'm actually glad that we decided to uh, do this one. Mm-hmm. Me too. It's like you were saying, it's a different type of genre. And yeah, I don't think we've, we haven't done a Danny Boyle movie before. I don't think we have. I don't, we've talked we about train spotting too, but we've never done one. No, we so have not. I'm kind of glad T2 we was the last one. Before. Yeah. yeah so. I'm kind of glad we got Which, to do one of these truthfully, movies. strangely enough, you guys, this little spoiler, you guys will see that our next couple films, we're actually skipping some of the bigger ones. Like I think a lot of people thought we were going to do toy story four for this podcast. Yeah. But we decided to do something smaller, and our next one will be a small one as well. Can we will not be doing Spider Man? So. Just trying to different differentiate ourselves right now, guys. Not yep. always just not always the, the big blockbusters. Yeah, exactly. We, you know, we're the movie all, pals. All okay. our reviews go down. We go. Just kidding, guys. This <laughs> is a late <laughs> yeah, review of Spider Man. We're, we're back. <laughs> we're here's, back. Here's fucking Lion King. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck we're thinking in the back there. Okay, guys, let's jump into the spoiler section because I do want to jump into it. And uh, there's quite a quite a little twist to this one, so I want to talk about it too. So if you want to uh, not be spoiled, which I recommend you don't be, uh, skip ahead to our outro if you haven't seen the movie yet. If not, stay tuned. Suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. Oh. Okay, so one thing I want to bring up before I bring these up. Was it weird, or how did you like that two other people in the world actually did remember the Beatles were alive? I thought it was cool. I was I was happy that because they do address the whole um, thing about, you know, this incident happened and nobody else yeah. seems to know. Like, he's not alone in it. And, yeah, they still don't explain it, but it's just cool that there are other people in the world. I that- thought the Russian guy was fucking one of the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, first. that's probably that's Ringo. Just, I was like, that's weird. Or I, I thought that they were going to be family members of the Beatles. They were like, these are songs that I used My to hear son them play wrote, yeah. in their garage, but I they just decided the not to thing. pursue music. But 
Uh, it worked for me. Again, it's one of those quirky things. It's really that, weird, right? That Danny Boyle does. They don't explain it. That's no, why. I will. Yeah, that's just what he does, man. And yeah. it, it works for his movies. Which was fine. Because they have some charm. I was yeah. talking to my brother because I saw the movie with him. Mm-hmm. The, he Danny Boyle did a movie that was kind of similar back in the 90s called A Lifeless Ordinary. Yeah. And that movie, you have to suspend disbelief as a lot. And things happen in that movie that just like had no explanation whatsoever. And he did a lot of those things in here. And I was like, it's almost like Danny Boyle was revisiting that. And wanted to do it better and I think and it's bigger. just Danny Boyle. I mean, even in 20 Days Later, you don't know why the fuck the zombies came, right? No, but that's a wonderful film. That's just, my favorite horror You just film. wake that's up true. in the middle of it. You're just like, yeah. just accept that the zombies are here. Yeah, that is very true. And did you guys watch that James McAvoy one, Trance? Where he's a uh, he keeps forgetting. Yes. And you just kind of have to yeah. believe that that shit's going on. You're mm-hmm. like, sure. Yeah. And he's crying. Yeah, I mean, but you're right. That's exactly it, Marco. Like, he, uh, that's just how he is. Yeah. Which is fine, though. I mean, yeah. it's one of those movies where I think as a viewer, I think for us personally, we're okay with that because we understand that they're trying to tell a certain kind of story. It's those people that always want to know everything about a movie are probably going to be like, what the fuck? I don't if get, you why set the, fuck the film up that way to say that, look, this is what my story is about, but I needed to make this happen. So this this is in the world. Yeah, I'm OK with that. If you're in a sense where like you have a, a superhero film like The Avengers and you're trying to ground it in realism and you have to explain every little thing then that's the expectation but a lot of like a film like this they're just saying this is really what we're focusing on so don't even worry about what's going on here but like the main focus is not the fact truthfully the main focus is not even the fact that everyone forgot the beatles right it's about this guy and his girl basically Mm -hmm. yeah so they're in the situation and or I thought, the those, I thought they were time travelers, by the way. That's how fucking stupid I did it for, I, no, I was like, I mean, dude, they're going to fucking kill him. Interesting. They're going to fucking take him back to the other Or another way. theory I had is because um, there were no Beatles and there was no obsession with the Beatles, that that guy would want to assassinate him because he was oh, a sub that's dark. That's and I was dark. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, no. He's so like, instead of John Beatles Lennon, he's going to be the guy right. that I did like that, though. They're like, no, we just can't sing. Yeah. I was glad you brought it back into the world. Oh, that's nice. I was like, what a relief. What a strange fucking meeting. <laughs> we went to all these dark places, but they were just yeah. really nice Yeah, and they people. were just really two real... One chick from London or Livermore, another guy from Russia, totally fucking random. And they're just like, yep. hey, I just realized, like, I remember everything you remember. Um, so speaking of which, it was funny, though, in this timeline, there's a couple things that are missing, too. Supposedly, I guess, because I don't even know. Technically, cigarettes should still be around. I don't know why cigarettes they are going to learn to yeah. smoke tobacco. Oh yeah, really? So they went all. He's like, "Oh shit, Squanto never survived." Some shit. I don't know. Uh, like Coca Cola is not around, which, which is hilarious. Why did that piss me off? I was like, uh, really? "Oasis never existed. Uh, Harry Potter never existed," which I thought was hilarious because he's just like, "I'm done." <laughs> but it's kind of weird because a lot some of the artists that he mentioned when he was on the TV show, I'm like, mm, technically some of them shouldn't exist because they were inspired by the Beatles. Well, I think some people might have looked to and cocked their head saying, who? Okay. I thought he was going to sing her Wonderwall at the end, by the way. I did too. I was I expecting that, that he was going to like, sing her that song as a remember this. Because then I was going to be like, so how did they I, well, meet? I, what was the I, thing? I, you know? I, that, yeah. I have some qualms with that. Yeah. Because they would have had that connection. Yeah, and we, we, we talked about what worked thing. and what didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So I mean, did that work? What did that work for you guys? Are these missing things, or I guess, well, you can talk about it right now. What didn't work? Uh, well, what didn't work was the whole reasoning as to why uh, Ellie wouldn't go with him. Like it just, it seemed like oh, so. Whole, I'm a school teacher thing. It seemed like so out of character because it's like I, I get it, but you were following this guy this whole time, and it basically gives off the message that. 
you know, well, you wanted him to stay a loser then, basically, because this guy gave up basically his entire life for yeah. music. Yeah. He didn't really have a steady job. He didn't really have any money. And here was his chance to use his art and actually like bring in some income with, yeah. with some art. I mean, it's not like he would stay in the United States forever. The whole because the whole movie took place within like two days. Yeah, he would eventually come back. They could make it work essentially. So I just think that wasn't strong enough. Two, I think it would have just been better that because Oasis didn't exist, he wouldn't have sung that Wonderwall song, which is how she fell in love with him in the first place. Yeah, right. And so that would have been the issue that he. Would I assumed with, he had played so. something else then. That's I was basically yeah, I just so they just else. didn't look into that. Like yeah. I mean, obviously he played something then. He wouldn't have remembered yeah. it because she should. She should. She probably. I mean, if they had had that scene, she probably would have told him he played some fucking other song or something. Yeah, yeah very. Like the Rolling Stones or something. But just, I don't know. Some, yeah. some sappy. I saw that as something where she didn't want to get in his way. Yeah. Because she always was like his number one fan and always like had loved him for a long time. It's weird that he friends owned her, by the way, to begin with. Really hard. Kind of strange. Yeah, I was like, I've never heard of that guy. Especially, I mean, Lily James is quite a focused on quite a beautiful woman too. So I was like, oh, this guy's blind. So I saw it as like she decided to be like, oh, I'll step aside and let you keep growing because with me here as your manager, it's never going to go anywhere. And even though he's like, just come with me, we can make it work. And I think she's so fucking nice that she's to the point where she was like, I'm just going to be in the way. So you do your thing and flower and grow. Well, and I do agree that you know uh, that. I felt that there was a decent enough reason. Like, she had a life there. She was helping him on the side. It was all part-time stuff, but she wanted mm-hmm. to help his career. Um, but she did have a life there. And I agree, Margo. Like, there should have been some expectation that he was going to move on to something and maybe make it if she really believed in him. But at the same time, I think she was also fantasizing about it. It's like, this is just fun for us to bond. And, I mean, there's a scene where she's like, I waited 20 years for you to say that, you know, I love you. And I wasted half my life going through this. I actually like that scene. You know, too. and it's like, that might be part of it is that when it became real and he still didn't see her for what, she, you know, what she wanted... Um, that was kind of like, well, it's not worth me doing this anymore. No, he did. He was basically confessing his love for her and stuff. He like didn't. That. He wanted. I he think was he's battling saying it. it because he thinks that's what he was supposed to say yeah, too. Right. But it's not until the end when he really is like professes. His this love. is it. Like yeah. when True. he when he when I, he comes yeah, clean of everything. I guess it could have been done a little better, in my opinion. I, that's no, I, mean, I agree. That's the I only agree. thing because, like I said, like yeah, she had her life there, but that doesn't mean he was going to move to the U.S. He was just going over there to right. do everything and to polish the album and to do. I think little... it was more for him, for her. It was like you know, at this point, you have to choose: do you want a life here or your career? And she didn't want to stop him from staying here, but she felt like she just had to get it out. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that was that. I agree. I agree though, Marco, because I mean, it works to a point on that. I thought the relationship. That's that's the part where it's a little like. If he's kind of like, just fucking make it work. Yeah. You know I mean, if you really want it to work, just let it work. Exa- exactly. But I think, I, I think I, Jack's character, though, has is just so torn that he knows that he did not write these songs. Yeah. That his mind is this is like running at a million fucking miles. Yeah. I, guess, I guess, like, for me, like, I, shit, I, I, I live in a world where if, if you have limited resources, then I can understand why it wouldn't be able to work because you don't have the resource to make something happen. All right. But now he does. So, yeah. true. anyway. No, no, that, that, makes, my, I mean, that was my it makes sense. Poem. It makes sense. Aside from that, it's like a solid movie. No, definitely, man. Uh, did you guys like that he met John Lennon? Near the I end? thought it was great. They I, uh, got a sign off by Yoko Ono's. Oh, really? To do that too. Oh, by the way. I was wondering so if they it did. Was a, it was like approved. It wasn't like a like we're gonna throw him in. Yeah, I thought a that was really cool. touching moment. Yeah. I like that a lot, and it's played by Robert Carlyle, who's from uh, Train Spotting T Two, which is yeah. cool. Um, the boat. Uh, it was if really you look, cool. it said "Imagine" upside yeah, down. Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. I like how he gives him the lyrics to one of his songs too mm-hmm. when he tells her that tell her that you love her. I was like, oh my god. 
Yeah. And then, because um, it's cool. It's like, well, yeah, if the Beatles never existed, there would have been a fucking psychopath. Which I think is John great. Because I, I was expecting he, it to be like Paul McCartney or Ringo Starr. Yeah. When he asked them, did you live a full life? And he said he did. I was like, damn. Yeah. yeah. Damn, damn. I like damn. that. He's like, 78. You made it to 78. <laughs> he's looking at him. Hell and then he's weird. like, yeah, you need some psych- psycho help, man. I was like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, sure. Imagine some random dude rolling up on you. And you're like, yeah, yeah I live in on the rich house. Like, How the just going to talk to somebody with, over a cup of tea, I guess. You yeah. Know, was he's just like, I got to go, man. He's like, all right, that's cool. That was very random, but thanks. Um, did you guys like that um, he technically never goes back to his actual timeline? It's always like, he, this is it. This is yeah, life this now. Yeah, this is life now. Yeah, he's stuck Did there. you guys like that they ended it that way? I did. Yeah. I thought it was, I think it stopped with the whole thing. Like, they stuck to they their committed guns. They to like, it, yeah. This is what it is. And they didn't have to explain it. Maybe it'll go back eventually. Maybe not. Who knows? But this is what it is. I, I liked it. I think it's a subtle way of subverting expectations because exactly. everyone was like oh he's gonna did go you back. expect him to go back i did I, yeah i did i thought I'm he was gonna hit his head again and be like and then he wakes up i yeah, thought it was gonna be a coma the, the yeah i thought well i i thought right when they were in love and everything and accepted each other he was gonna go back and she wouldn't remember and then that that's happening. his chance to be like make everything right kind yeah, of like, yeah. Grand and i was thinking it was like he was in a coma the whole time and then would have woken up yeah and but this that's is a what if scenario he wakes up yeah. into 28 days later. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And Danny Boyle's like, oh, my movies connect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought I, I like that. It stayed that way. Yeah. No, I did too. I thought it was really cool. And um, it was so strange though that like all these other things don't exist. Because I was like, well, the music didn't work out, but you could write the Harry Potter books. Dude, I, I was mean, thinking that too. I was, I was like, think, could I remember the books well enough to try to do oh, that? Oh, I though? can figure them out. I can get that I, shit down. When he went on the computer, I thought he was going to start writing the first Harry Potter no. book. Introduces cigarettes too because a billionaire. He's like, what if we made Coca Cola? That's what he should do. But he wouldn't know how to make Coca Cola. Yeah, I like how true. he thought. I think when he's like, can I get some Coke? And then the little girl's <laughs> like, like, excuse me? No, sir. <laughs> Those are drugs. I can't imagine a world without Coke. <sighs> You're telling Coca-Cola. me, man. Uh, so, any closing thoughts on this one, guys? Oh, we didn't talk about Ed Sheeran. You know what? I liked his little role in it. Yeah, I've heard Ed Sheeran's an incredibly nice guy in real life. So. I I liked him as a character, as a person. I mean, obviously he played himself. I yeah. just don't like his music. I don't oh, think really? he's a great songwriter, I man. Songwriter. I think his new album's about to be fire, by the way. The um, collaborations. I like that well, he was course. very humble yeah. in the film. Like, he was trying to help because he found something that, you know, to try to help the guy out and realized that the guy was better than him. Was it kind of fun? And, I, like, we're gonna I do, felt sad we're gonna, for him. The songwriter thing, he's like, yeah. I'm going to do 10 minutes here. You're going to go there. And he came back. I was like, no, just stop. He's just like, stop. no, there's no point. He's like, everyone. you won. And I was like, I'm just going to bed. I was like, Damn. I feel like it's like, hey, someone make sure Ed don't kill himself. <laughs> fuck, he just sounded like he just gave up on life right there. Like, like, I guess some, I'm not the best. Someone sleep with this guy while you still can. <laughs> and then if you think about it, I was like, actually, did Ed Sheeran come up with that song in 10 minutes? Because that's pretty impressive, man. I mean, he could have. I feel like that's something he could do. Yeah. And then when they played the Marry Me song at the end from mm-hmm. him. God damn, that was good. Yeah. Sorry. I know you don't like it, Mark. But I, I was like, I like this. That whole end mm-hmm. sequence was really cool, too, because it gave him the opportunity to like be a pop star. Like a big rock star, real quick, and was on stage. He had his moment. Songs. Yeah. Like that was yeah. really cool. And then just how he ended up professing his love. I, I mean, love how uh, Kate McKinnon's character is just like that son of a bitch. <laughs> she's gonna kill him. She's going it. crazy when he's giving out the she's sauce like, for free. She's like, "What floor am I on?" She doesn't even know what floor she's on. Where's the stage at? She's like the money. Yeah. We, we never talked about his friend Rocky, the dude from Game of Thrones. Oh god. I thought he was. You know what? I didn't think. I didn't think I was gonna like his character at first because I was like, oh, fuck." Yeah. But I actually yeah. liked yeah. his character. 
Yeah, it was cool. He grows on you. Especially when he took the fucking uh, potato chips. He's like, do you mind if I take some for the <laughs> he's road? Like, not all he's of I like how real life it's like it is a serious too, moment. Like, not like, all of it as he's taking She's like chips. talking and crying and she just notices like, this motherfucker just took all my food. <laughs> he's like, for the road, thanks. <laughs> um, Yeah, overall, I think it's a solid film. I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's Especially, worth I, I, I think we stress a lot on this one that a lot of people complain that there's not a lot of original ideas anymore yeah. or just i mean we're just living in reboots sequels or basically marvel films at this point so maybe guys if you it's i mean i would you know we love those kind of movies but i would say give some movies a chance this is definitely a unique one if you're a fan of the beatles i would say definitely check this absolutely out. you want to step outside not- your comfort zone and you want to just take a break away from all the big blockbusters and uh, disappointing blockbusters in some cases oh uh, yeah uh, then go ahead and check this one out. I think it's great. You know, it's it's a, it's an awesome movie. You can go see with your friends, with a date, family. It's it's just a well-rounded movie. Yeah. All right, guys. So that is the end of the podcast number fifty-one. Thanks once again for listening here, guys. Thank you for all the feedback and the response and the reviews. Uh, Marco, let them know how they can reach us. You guys can reach us on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Movie Pals Pod. Like James said, please keep on hitting us up. Let us know your recommendations or what you would like us to talk about for Topic of the Week. We also have a winner for our giveaway of the Funko Rock Candy vinyl figure of Phoenix herself. And that is Didi Chichi Balls, also known (laughs) as David Wong. Congratulations, Mr. Wong. You are the winner of this vinyl figure, and we will contact you in order to let you know how you can claim your giveaway. Thank you, uh, David, for constantly being a fan of the podcast and retweeting and uh, commenting on these ones and sharing it. So, guys, stay tuned for episode 52. We're once again doing kind of a a slightly smaller film, but this one is important to us because this is the follow-up from the same director that directed Hereditary, which was one of, I think, our favorite films of last year horror-wise as well. Yeah, I think yes. one of the better horror films we've seen. This will be the new horror film, Midsommar. So, until then, guys, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a good one.